0: This episode is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. And back in the day when I used to travel for work and get on an airplane, I lived off of Organifi green juice. It was such a great way for me to get all of the essential superfoods that I needed to help reduce stress and reset my body. There are endless benefits to the Organifi green juice. One of the reasons why I loved taking it on the airplane is because it helped support my stress response. It helps decrease cortisol and, you know, it's organic and it helps reduce food cravings and it tastes just like plain water. You don't need to put it in a blender, which is why it was so convenient to travel with. It supported my system so well that I still take it to this day. One of the key ingredients is moringa. Moringa has been an important part of Ayurvedic medicine for over 4,000 years. It was nicknamed the miracle plant for its ability to nourish and fight disease. It's loaded with vitamins, minerals, and all the essential amino acids and antioxidants that your body needs. It's nature's most perfect multivitamin. It's also detoxifying, anti-inflammatory, it's hormone balancing, antioxidant, supports your digestion. It basically puts all of your everything you would put in a green smoothie in your cup in like 30 seconds. And for a special offer, you can head over to Organifi.com forward slash loved to get 15% off of your first order. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash loved, that's L-O-V-E-D, and you'll get 15% off of your first order. Thank you Organifi for sponsoring Radically Loved.
1: Often, I always say like, there's not anything, any aspect of darkness in the human species in our in our society that I can't find in myself. Depression? Yeah, yeah. I know what that's like. Anxiety? I know what that's like. I can find traces of everything in myself.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, Life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, welcome back to another episode of radically loved radio i'm joined by the ever-present grounded and beautiful tessa
2: oh that's such a nice intro i always feel like i want to dance when you're talking i just want to move move my shoulders and kind of dance around <laughs>
0: good do you know actually it's interesting that you say that because i i want to talk about um practice i want to talk oh. about daily rituals and our morning practice, Mm -hmm. because I had a couple of people on Instagram. It's so funny. You know, when something is in the collective consciousness, you get a question and then you might see something and then you might hear something and it's all along that same thread. Yes. And I will explain, I'll tell you a little story. So I've been in the writing portal, the last, I would say probably hard, the last three weeks. And it's really hard, uh, not a trigger warning, vulnerable share moment. It's really hard for me anyway. I I love writing. I still don't consider myself a writer and it's probably going to be a while until I actually consider myself a writer. I love writing. That doesn't mean I'm really good at it. (laughs) So I know that there are things that can be better and you're always going to be your own worst critic. I totally understand that, but there were so many things as I read through my manuscript that I wanted to change. Not because it didn't resonate with me, Um, it just didn't feel like my voice. Hmm. It just didn't feel like didn't feel like my voice. Mm-hmm. It sounded like somebody who was trying to relay something to somebody else, but it didn't sound like me. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does. I think it, it, I've. I love to write as well. And oftentimes I'll go back and read what I've written. And I'm, I have no recollection of having even written it. I'm like, that's my handwriting. I don't even remember that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. That that's definitely something that I'm curious if people out there have experienced. So this is what my ritual has been like. Um, okay, wait, so let me go back. So, yeah, so I'm having a little bit of a, I, I have moments where I've, I wake up and I'm super inspired and the muse is there and she's in it with me and we're just rocking. Hmm. And then typically about midday, I start to gas out and then I go back and I read what I was flowing with. And, and then I'm like, what the, f- what, what is this really? <laughs> and sometimes I go back and I have to do a little bit of a rewrite then by the end of the day, I go back. And for the most part, I go back to what I originally had written. So I found that there, that I ha- I have to establish a workflow with my writing, my creativity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So cut to Instagram and a couple of DMS that I, I was getting. So I I've been obviously pretty vocal about what I'm doing right now. Some of my students and some of my virtual students from my wanderlust classes were messaging how the book was going, how they're very excited and asking me what my process was Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and what my ritual was. And if I have any specific way of doing things. And I said, yeah, I do. And it's, it's, it's definitely not what I thought it would have been. You know, I have these romanticized ideas of waking up in the morning and then doing my practice and, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting at the computer and being totally inspired after my meditation and just getting words on the page. Definitely not what's happened and not, not all the time, but it was interesting as I was relaying these different things I kept seeing, maybe it's because Instagram and your phone is just listening to everything you say, mm-hmm. the different, <laughs> different, different book suggestions, different, you know, these, this specific documentary came up on Netflix. My favorite writer. Do you, are you familiar with Joan Didion? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, amazing. Yeah. so she has in 20, 2017, when I was on the what was it? The Livvy Yoga Tour uh-huh. with Yoga Journal. It came out and I was so excited. I was so excited because I I love all of her work. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling like, oh, maybe I need to watch this documentary because again, because I feel like I'm in a different place in my life and I just love her. And I'm like, maybe she has her specific way of doing things. Maybe it'll inspire mm-hmm. me to create yeah. a ritual. Yeah. And so I, and I did, and it just messed me up because <sighs> I was like, okay, you, you go into the space of, uh, my work will never be like Joan Didion's ever mm-hmm. in my lifetime. I'm okay with that. That's totally mm-hmm. fine. She is probably one of the most like just I have no words to describe one of the most like connected, articulate, poetic, authentic, real writers, Mm. female writers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, okay. I set the intention. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to just channel my inner semblance of Joan Didion and see, Mm -hmm. see what I can get in the documentary. She's with another very uh, well-known writer as well. And they're talking about how in the morning her ritual was, she would wake up and in silence, go into the fridge, get a Coca-Cola and open (laughs) a can of almonds Mm -hmm. and then, and light a cigarette. (laughs) and then and then get to writing right this is in the 60s yes uh 60s and 70s Uh and and she's still alive by the way but she's in her 80s -hmm. and I was like okay well obviously can't do that because (laughs) (laughs) so so now what is what does this ritual look like so Mm -hmm. yeah I've been waking up at 4 a.m every morning and I was always early riser, but with the pandemic in 2020, I basically spent the entire year and some of the beginning of this year waking up way later than I was used to. Mm -hmm. My yoga practice went from being, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of movement to maybe 10 minutes of doing triangle pose on each side Mm -hmm. and, and maybe, maybe a 10 minute meditation. So I'm happy to say that I've gotten back to a little bit more of a fluid practice. But going back to what you said at the beginning, um, the first thing that I do in the morning is I just kind of move my body around. And I've found over the last two weeks, I've been compelled to do a little bit of dancing, you know, to do just some, some movement. So I'm just, you know, it's still dark outside. And Uh I bring the little puppy in here with me because if I leave, she, she knows when I'm awake and she'll start pestering and Tori's still in bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I do my, you know, little, I I guess it's ecstatic dance. I've done ecstatic dance before, but it's just so interesting. And then once I do my movement, I do a little bit of yoga. I just do some very basic beginning movements and it's similar to something I would teach during a weekly class. Mm-hmm. And then I do my meditation practice for about 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Get up, go to my computer, and without checking any email, without checking any text messages, nothing. That's hard. Yeah, I know. Good job. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just open, and I have it ready the night before, so I notice that that helps. I have everything shut down. All my ta- everything is minimized. So the first thing that I see is Word, mm-hmm. and I can just start. Five hundred words a day, just whatever stream of consciousness maybe some thoughts come in. Maybe I'm inspired to write something. Maybe it's something that I was thinking during the night, or I woke up with Mm -hmm. a certain thought. I get that out. Once I'm done with that, I already feel pretty accomplished. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then I go in and then I do the emails and then I start, and then I, and then I look at my phone. So all that being said (laughs) to say it definitely, this This daily ritual that I've established definitely doesn't look like something that I would have thought it would have looked like. Mm -hmm. The idealized version of the ritual in my mind, that idealized schedule that we have that stops us from actually doing the thing, we get distracted. We wake up and the first thing that we do is look at our phone or we wake up later than we thought. And then we were like, okay, now it's all done. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. So the reason why I'm sharing this is because I think it's really important for us to all just remember that the important thing is to just show up and to do as little as you can. You know, I, I had to build up even in the now decades long time that I've been practicing and doing all this, it is still difficult to Mm -hmm. do the things that I need to do in order to feel like it's going to be a good day. And for me to feel complete because I'm not going to be writing this book forever. This book is going to then go and Mm -hmm. and into her birth canal and (laughs) she will be birthed whether I like it or not, because I have a contract and it doesn't matter really what I think at that point. It's like, this is a job that is getting done. And then I I'm left with this, this ritual that I really do very much want to continue. So, um, what what's your ritual been like what's your process been like i know that you recently started writing again yes let's discuss
2: yeah <laughs> yeah i have an idealized version of what i wish that would look like also <laughs> and it, and just like you described it's very different than that um in actuality i am so addicted to exercise in the morning which is not necessarily a bad thing but it's really been a challenge to um, prioritize writing because I feel if I don't get my run in, which is what I normally do in the morning, I'll run, um, and, or lately walk my dogs. I mean, I walk my dogs every day, but like, if it's the first thing I do, it's either a run for me or a walk with my dogs. Um, and I'm saying dogs because I have an announcement. I have a new dog. <gasps> Tess, <laughs> Congrats. Congrats! I was like, wait, what? I know. I'm why am I turning red? I'm like embarrassed by this. <laughs> yeah. We adopted a dog side digression. We adopted a dog, uh, two days ago. Um, and she is, I think she's a German shepherd. She, we, we rescued her from the pound. She looks like a German shepherd to me. Um, and she is the sweetest, best little creature so
0: Congratulations.
2: far. Congratulations. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. So excited. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, I mean my morning ritual this week has like totally been turned upside down. Usually I I've talked about this before, I would get up, I would read. Like that's my favorite coveted time in the morning um when I feel inspired. When I'm still in like that dream like state mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll journal then, which is not to me not like my writing time necessarily because it's more like clearing the cobwebs. And then I'll go for my run. So ideally that's what my morning looks like. (laughs) Yeah. It's about to change radically and it already has. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree with the movement. I need to go for a run. See, but I have to do all of that before I even, because to me, going for the run is the treat. It's like, I get to do that once I do the things that I need to do, because I know that running for me is, is part of that expansive process. And sometimes before I used to do it before prior to doing any work. It's like I had to move my body before, but now that I'm do- doing my self-guided ecstatic dance, <laughs> uh, I I feel uh I feel pretty fluid and I'm not like, yeah. you know, going hard or anything. It's just, you know, moving your body in the morning feels so good. There's things that yeah. there's stuck air, there's stuck energy and being able to just kind of move around even if you're just flailing your arms from side to side, it yeah, it doesn't really matter. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about ecstatic dance, our this guest, our guest today is somebody that actually is a big fan of ecstatic dance. Today, we're talking about connecting with community and living in oneness with Aubrey Marcus, who has been um, a big supporter of this show and also uh, a big fan of ecstatic dance. Did I already say that?
2: Yeah. I didn't realize okay. that about Aubrey Marcus. That's yes. Cool.
0: Yeah. He is definitely, um, one of the, the people out there in the space, I would say influencer types that are, um, really into doing this type of practice, this type of movement. So it's Sahara Rose, you know, Sahara has been mm-hmm. on the show several times. She's obviously one of my friends as well. And she, she talks about it. And he's here today to talk about how we can be and feel more connected to the world. How we can promote growth in our relationships. He's going to talk about moving through being in a in a depressive state. Um, we'll talk about how he's been navigating through the pandemic. How connecting with community for him is something that's extremely uh, grounding and why he's using it as a source of connecting to his oneness. And yeah, we, we had such a great conversation. He has been a longtime supporter of the show as well. And, um, I'm, I'm really talking about somebody who, I mean, talking about writing rituals, like he had this really Mm -hmm. intense ritual when he wrote, um, own the day and he, he talks about it on this show. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with all of you, and I can't wait to hear what you guys thought. But first, a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Yes, my friends, summer is quickly approaching, and I cannot wait to get out there and uh, continue to stay at home. Okay, I'm, I'm really living my best life at home. I've been able to spend some quality time with Tor. I've been spending some quality time with the dogs. And I've been really into working on myself, not just my internal well being, but also my external well being. And a lot of you here have heard me talk about tonal, and we've actually had one of the founders on the show because writing my book has put me in a little bit of a sporadic timeline. It's really great to know that I can always go to the Zen Den and do my workout on my Tonal. It's super easy and convenient, and Tonal makes strength training accessible and convenient for everyone. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in so I never have to worry about not knowing what to do, like when I would go to the gym. It's got a really cool, sleek design. There's no bulky weights or racks and up to 200 pounds of resistance. Not that I am ever going to attempt that heavy of resistance, but it's good to know that it's there. Also, if you're looking for a cool fit community, check out official Tonal community on Facebook. There's a special offer right now where you can try Tonal for 30 days risk-free. Also, there's a special promotion for our listeners. If you visit www.tonal.com, You'll get $100 off of the smart accessories when you use the promo code ROSIE at checkout. That's www.tonal.com, promo code ROSIE. A special thank you to Tonal for being a sponsor of the show. Uncommon Goods is, honestly, you just have to check it out. It's an online shop filled with unique, totally unexpected gifts. And when I say unexpected, I mean truly original things that you won't find anywhere else. And the only reason I'm telling you about this is because I know that my mother-in-law is not listening. Mother's Day is coming up. That's next weekend. So don't forget, (laughs) now is the perfect time to check out this site. So I just got my mother-in-law this really cool, beautiful hanging planter that doubles as a hummingbird feeder. She is so cute and she loves to tend to her garden and she's going to love it. Uncommon Goods is a place to go to for thoughtful original gifts for everyone in your life. That's really what I gathered. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade here in the US, which you know we love. It's also a Brooklyn based company that's all about giving back. With every purchase that you make at Uncommon Goods, they give a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So to get 15% off of your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com forward slash loved. That's uncommongoods.com forward slash L O V E D you'll get 15% off. If you order now, you can probably get that Mother's Day gift on time. A special thanks to Uncommon Goods for sponsoring the show. Aubrey Marcus is on the show. He is uh, one of my heroes. I already told him why. He already knows that. Um I'm so excited to have you on the show again, Aubrey. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, I, as well.
0: That's great. You know, one of the things that I wanted to I've been dying to ask you this because I know that you, you have a a long history with, uh, transformation and finding tools that help people navigate different things like depression, anxiety, um, how to really like optimize your life and move through trauma. This is something that you talk about a lot on your podcast. You've talked about it in your books. Um, how did you navigate last year?
1: Last year was interesting because collectively it was incredibly challenging. I mean, there was all kinds of things going on that were incredibly difficult and heartbreaking. And um, it was very difficult from that perspective. But personally, it was one of the best years of my life. I, you know, got together with my wife. We had an amazing, you know, amazing ride together. And a lot of, you know, beautiful things were happening in my life personally set against this backdrop of you know just a real challenge that the world was going in so it was interesting because probably the the hardest part for me was what i felt for the collective and feeling like i wasn't doing enough. Like there's had to be some way that I could help more and some way that I could do something else better and 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 more helpful. And it just kind of felt helpless. It felt like the the challenges were so intense that no matter what I did, it wasn't going to be enough. And I think it was a big lesson for me to just have faith that, you know, it's not all on me. And there's a whole community of people all, you know, lending their efforts and collectively together as a as a global community you know, we'll be able to pull through this no matter what's going on. So that was really the big lesson, but, um, you know, yeah, it was that interesting contrast of, you know, personal paradise and collective hell in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, that is, that's so, so wild. Uh, I love what you're saying about the community aspect, because I, I saw, uh, one of your, uh, well, not one of your, you, you read this incredibly powerful Poem and this video that was really a sort of uh, felt so um, prolific and it felt very raw and real. And it was really about what you're talking about, bringing everybody together and and looking past our differences. And I feel like during a time where there is a lot of division and there is so much separation, uh, what we do need is more of that heart centered, um, expression, that heart centered acceptance, that heart centered transformation, right?
1: More now more than ever. I mean, this is the time that everything, all of these forces are trying to pull us apart. And we're, you know, we're part of, uh, we're part of those forces. Every time we acknowledge the differences and try to make one difference better than another difference or one difference guilty of another thing, it just creates more and more separation and more and more division. And that's the opposite place that we're going to go because we got one big, beautiful planet. And if we all don't come together to support that planet and support all of her people, we're in a lot of trouble. But as soon as we silo each other and start these wars, lobbing little water balloons or grenades over, you know, on the other side, whatever that side might be, the more time we spend doing that, the less time we spend worrying about the collective future of our earth and, and the race itself. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a, it's essential that we start to come back to some semblance of oneness you know, with uh, an acknowledgement, but also a forgiveness of the past and past transgressions, and, a, and an allowance for us to just come together um, in our humanness.
0: Yeah, Oh, I love that so much. I, I think part of what I think caused a lot of that division and separation was obviously we're go- we you know experiencing this shutdown of the world and and everything, and it created. Uh, for me anyway, I guess I'll speak for myself, the separation from my community, this separation from seeing other people uh, created this, this, yeah, this disconnect where when we have a tribe, we have a community, we can express all of those parts of us. And it gives us an ability to practice that understanding when you don't have that. And you're just yeah, in a silo with your own thoughts and whatever's being fed to you, then it makes it a lot easier to get angrier, to get, to become reactive and to become, I don't want to say, but like easily influenced by whatever is being told by people or your community and stuff. And it, it almost shuts you down from having the experience of the whole.
1: I think something that we have to recognize is that there's different motivations for every different media platform, you know, and, and there's different influences and whether it's, you know, big media and the news, they have a lot of advertisement and a lot of advertisers and a lot of influence that come that way. And they have to, they're beholden to them to a certain degree, because if they don't, you know, speak in certain ways, those advertisements might get pulled, their businesses might be lost, the whole network might go. This is just simple self-interest. I think a lot of times people get lost in these conspiracies. I'm never one to go down that rabbit hole. I think it's just, (laughs) it's the simple self-serving bias of, I'm going to look out for me. And when you have advertisers or people, or, um, you know, if you're a politician and you have people lobbying and supporting your campaigns, I mean, these are all influences that affect people and i think a lot of times affect them without them even knowing it's just self-serving bias you can look it up in wikipedia or anywhere it's everywhere if there's something that's in your best interest you'll convince your mind that it's what you believe and then social media they have the desire not only do they have their ad revenue but they also have their desire to keep people on the platforms as long as possible so outrageous stories and things that are divisive those keep people engaged and hammering away with their thumbs on the screen and so we have to recognize that all of these different forces do not necessarily have our best interest at heart and that's a that's a big important lesson i think we can all take away from this past year and unfortunately some people haven't really figured that out but um i think it's important to recognize that you know there's a lot of monetary interests and personal interests that different people have
0: yeah you know it's i've always said that Look, I have a love, not love relationship with social media. I, I love it to an extent, but then I, I really don't get it because, you know, I I see the facade. I'm like, this is a great way to connect with people, but it's also a facade, it's a veneer of what a community is because I don't actually get to know you, I don't get to see you, I don't get to be in the same space as you. And it doesn't give me that same sticky hand being with a person interaction where I can use all of the cues of my energy to read you and to connect with you on that deep soul level. Um, So so I've always thought that was a little bit strange. And I I love what you're saying about the vested interests and how I, I just wish that more people would see that when they're in that space. I mean, I had a lot of friends that you know, we had some falling outs last year during all this stuff because I wasn't posting what they were posting or I wasn't on board with their belief of something. And I'm like, dude, like why It does it really matter? Like, I love you. Like it doesn't, does it matter that I don't, I'm not buying into that. I watched the new, I was watching the news at one point, you know, when all this stuff was going on and it took maybe like three or four days for me to realize, wow, like it's, constant it's like they keep you watching like and next this and next this and next this and it's just like yeah. so anxiety inducing and then you get ad- not addicted but there's like that thing that clicks where you're just you keep watching keep watching keep watching keep watching and i'm like oh this is designed to keep me watching this and okay how could i assess okay i'm not breathing i feel tense i'm in fear okay this is probably not serving my highest good. So I turn the TV off and I disconnect. And within a couple hours, I feel a lot better. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like people that are just constantly on all of these social media platforms that are just going down that rabbit hole of the YouTube conspiracy videos for hours and hours and hours and creating all of this tension and anxiety and division and separation. It's like, what I always say is those conspiracy videos that you're watching, somebody made that. Why did they make it? what is what is the purpose behind it? It's like, oh, they're just they're just trying to spread the truth. And I'm like, are they? because how how is that making you feel right now? like what what is behind the truth? Did they want to lead you somewhere else? Like, they're just trying to expose the truth for what exactly? I don't, I don't understand, you know? Um, so I, going back to that, the video that you posted, you know, and what you, what you talk about, and you, you've been talking about this for a really long time. And I, I really think that you are probably one of the most heart-centered people in this space that actually speaks from a, a place of oneness as a, opposed from a place of division, where I feel like if more people... Spoke to a community that way, it would make people feel more invited to have a seat at the table, as opposed to if you don't believe what I believe, you can't come here, right?
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, you know so many so many beautiful things that you said in uh, in that, and I think the thing that you have to recognize is there's a strong motivation to put other people down when you're abiding in your ego. Because the ego only knows itself in relative position. It only knows itself as better or worse than somebody else. It's like, are you a good basketball player? I don't know. It only you can only tell if you're comparing it to other basketball players. Are you a good golfer? I don't know. Unless you saw other golfers, you wouldn't know you might think you're the greatest of all. You know, but until you see other players, that's how you know whether you're good or not. And this is the game that the ego is playing constantly. So It does it with morality is typically one of the things. Am I a better person than this other person? Oh, well, they believe this. They didn't post this thing. They didn't, you know, toe this line. They didn't do that. Oh, well, I'm better than them. So great. So I feel good about myself. And then if you can put somebody who has some kind of, you know, fame or notoriety or power or anything else, who's in the public eye, if you can put that person underneath you, well, then your ego gets to stand on top of somebody, you know, with all of these other attributes. So the ego feels even better about itself. So it's part of this desire to constantly tear people down, put them underfoot. And I think we see a lot of that. And the more that you can isolate yourself in this kind of bastion, this citadel of righteousness, that's what the ego likes to do because then it thinks I'm better than everybody else. Well, We continue to do that. We're going to better than everybody else our way into absolute destruction. You know, it's because it's not true. We're all different, but the intrinsic part of who we really are is all the same, whether we're, you know, a, a mystic or whether we're just, you know, flipping burgers, it doesn't matter. There's no value proposition to say that this human is better than this human. All humans, all life is intrinsically worth the same. And we're all part of the same source. And so to continually push out that message, I think is really important because otherwise we can very easily fall victim to those traps of uh, ego and spiritual materialism and, and all the other materialism where we're trying to moral materialism, where we're just mm-hmm. trying to prove that we're better than everybody.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, the spiritual materialism thing, I think is huge, especially in in the world of wellness right now. And again, I'm not trying to Everybody that listens to this podcast know that how I feel about it and I'm I'm you know maybe people don't agree with my ability to just be open and accepting for everybody but I've seen what division does to people and how not giving people an opportunity to be who they are and and perhaps maybe uh, give them a different perspective like people are not going to connect and they're not going to learn you know for for you was there a, a Pivotal. I already feel like I know the answer to this because I've read all your books, but um, <laughs> was there a So this way of being is a very, uh, without trying to, you know, put a hierarchy on it, it is a very elevated way of seeing the world. Uh, it's a very connected way of seeing the world. And one would say it's a true uh, spiritual way of looking at the world was it always the case for you or what was the, the catalyst that allowed you to see this vision?
1: I think, uh, I think it really started. I had a vision quest when I was 18 and I went off in the mountains with the shaman and we had a psilocybin tea and, um, and that changed absolutely everything for me from a spiritual perspective. And I felt my body evaporate and I felt what I could only describe as a soul. Although I was a staunch atheist at that point, I had no spiritual beliefs at all, but it was like, what is this? So I guess it's the soul. It's the only word I have, but I don't believe in that word. And I felt that. And from there, I think I've just continued to go to these experientially spiritual places where you recognize and you feel the oneness. Oneness is a cool idea. It's it's in vogue. It's fashionable to talk about our oneness and we are all one. And it's on fucking Dr. Bronner's soap, like whatever you want to find, you can find a, we are all one somewhere, but until you feel it, it's meaningless. You have to know it. It's, it's knowing, it's like you could hear all the descriptions about an avocado, but until you have guacamole, you have no idea, you know? Like you just have no idea. And and for me, that's been my path is to really feel it.
0: Yeah, that's uh oh, that's probably the best. That's that's a quotable moment for sure. <laughs> um it's so true. And yeah, I'm I'm I have nothing else to say that that really completes that <laughs> that that thought. Um so master your mind, master your life, 12 steps to master stress, anxiety, depression, addiction, anger, trauma, and fear fear so this and people can see the cover uh we have the cover on screen right now uh it's coming out next year uh so is it done or are you are you done with this book
1: no uh, <laughs> no uh, but it's uh the thing is is uh, writing a book is like a ceremony and you know it's it was interesting i started writing it last year and it was going to come out this year and uh the universe was like master your mind hey eh? cool. I think you can write that book. And I was like, yeah, I got this. And it's like, no, you don't. You're not even close. Take a seat. <laughs> and that was really the experience I had writing it. And I think a lot of the things that came up in the collective um, and also the transitions in my relationship, so many other massive events happened both internally and externally that it really revealed different aspects that I had to work on different paths t- to my own mastery. So Um, now as I'm writing the book and I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's already written, you know, I got 60,000 words in the document there and, uh, we'll see how much of it stays, but as I'm rewriting it and writing some of it fresh, it's a way better book than it was. And I feel actually equipped to write it. Like, I feel like I've gone through my own hero's journey, um, to bring me to the place where now I can deliver that book. Mm. and deliver it, like standing up and saying like, okay, like this is tested. And and I really believe this and can stand behind. This is not just a, you know, this isn't just fiction. This is, this is for real. And, um, and that's the place that I always want to be with a book. You know, that's, I felt like that with own the day. It was like, all right, you know, I, I, I'm living this. This is, this is my life. Like I'm living this lifestyle, maybe not every day. And I acknowledge that and own the day, you know, and I'm not, I'm never going to have my mind perfectly mastered, but I'm at a place where I can stand behind, you know, everything that I wrote. And, uh, I feel like I'm finally in that place now with this book. And, uh, and so the writing process is exciting. Whereas before it was absolutely overwhelming, but now it's exciting. And, you know, this week I have a, a bunch of different stuff on the plate, but it's just, I can't wait to clear some of this out and get back to writing. And that's when I know that it's ready. It's when it, it's not that I have to write it. It's that I want to write it yeah. because it's just ready to be birthed.
0: Oh, that's so good. So inspired. I think about, well, I think about your process because I remember for own the day, uh, I was just, uh, telling the, the mod pod crew here that I, you went to Sedona. I think you went away for like a month, right? You were gone for a month. You, you like sequestered yourself to write, uh, own the day. And I, in the pro you know, now that I'm in that process, I'm like, wow, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. (laughs) And I'm telling you, like, I grew up in a gang riddled environment, like, you know, And, you know, I've been in a long-term relationship. The last conversation we had, we talked about the sort of spiritual practice of being in a relationship at the time you were uh, in your your prior relationship. And we, you know, had a whole conversation about that, which I actually have another question follow-up. But yes, so this is a hard process. Like the fact that you can look at it as a ceremony is really inspiring for me. So I'm really excited. I'm just going to keep following whatever you do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) you know, that's, that's the beautiful part is you you don't need, we don't, this is not the time of the guru. You know, the person who's going to say, I've got it all figured out, you know, just come. And if you're near me, you can bask in my own perfection. Like that time is done. And now it's just fellow travelers of the way maybe somebody's walked a few steps ahead of you on a certain path and you can say like was that path and they're like that path is gnarly but here watch out for this this is the fire swamp watch out for the rodents of unusual size this is where the fire pillars are <laughs> and at the end you get to wesley and buttercup i promise you know but and that's what you want you want someone who's just been there with mud on their face and blood on their sleeve yeah. and and really gone through it and um you know i'm just happy that i'm able to provide that for people.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Thank you for sharing your experiences to to make our lives a little bit easier, or at least to just say like, Hey, there's, you're, you might fall in this pit over here. Just so you yeah, know, exactly. Um, yeah. I know we just going back to the uh, relationship question before uh, you may not remember this, but we the conversation was during that time you were in a relationship where you were,
1: I was polyamorous,
0: polyamorous. That's right. And, uh, I had mentioned to you that, and you were talking about how that was your spiritual practice for you because there was so much, um, being excavated within you. I mean, it really taught you a lot about, who you were and who you are and just those moments of where ego would come up and it would show itself and you would sort of have to go back to the drawing board and really reflect on the things that you had learned. Um, I'm curious now, uh, that you you're married, uh, and you know, how, how has your idea of, or your belief of a relationship, how has it shifted and, and would you still consider it a spiritual practice for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's just a different spiritual practice. You know, I think, um, polyamory is like, it's like trying to saddle a comet. You know, like it's it's incredibly difficult, you know, and it. But in the process, you you learn a ton, you know, and, and, and but you're just you're getting your ass kicked on the regular basis. It's very very difficult. I almost feel like the the prerequisite level of consciousness to actually successfully navigate polyamory is just impossibly high, and. I was not even, you know, I was not even ever able to fully make it to the level where it was comfortable. Now I was able to make it to the level where I could manage it and learn from it. And like, I could get my saddle halfway on the comet, and, but I was always getting burned, you know, and I was always, I was always getting nauseous from the G forces as I was saddled up to this rocket. So like, that's the, I'm grateful for all of it and really grateful to Whitney and to all my paramours and, and everybody who was with me in the journey, it was beautiful. Um, but then in the in the path of sacred union with Vailana, and to me, sacred union just means that you put the relationship above the individual, that your partnership is is the thing that nourishes it's the, it's the field that nourishes the individual. So it's not that you lose your independence or your identity, but you just know that when the relationship is strong, it will nourish, nourish both of you. So that's where to put the, put the attention, um, and make it really, you know, sacred. That's what's sacred. What's sacred is this bond that will nourish both people and allow them to flourish in their own unique way. And that, that was something that's, um, also a practice because we get, especially in polyamory, you have to be very clear about your boundaries. You have to be very clear about putting your own needs, you know, making sure that your own needs are met making sure that everything is working okay for you because it's so hard and there's so many moving pieces and it's your primary partner and your other partner, and maybe there's no primary and then it's their lovers and it's their and it's the interactions in the groups. And you just have to be like always on your toes. And I, it teaches you a lot about how to honor your own feelings how to not you know bypass your human emotions how to set clear boundaries and but it is very much about i have to take care of me because this is chaos this is really really intense and in the union with vailana it's about all right how can i let all of that go and how can i trust that the relationship is the thing that is the most important that will nourish, nourish everything else. So it's dissolving certain boundaries and dissolving certain things into this kind of uh, into the union itself. And that's a practice. You know, the dissolution is also a practice as well as the, you know, creating the boundaries. And of course, it's not a complete dissolution of that. We're our own individuals or our own sovereignty and everything. But uh, it's it's just a different it's a different lesson. You know, it's a different practice. And, um, you know, I'm sure that practice will continue to evolve and grow. I mean, I'm not interested in a boring monogamy like that's I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in sacred union. I'm interested in something that is, you know, grows stronger all the time. Mm. I'm not going to settle for like, oh yeah, you know, we've been married for a while and then I'll go out with the boys and complain about it. And I'll, Mm. you know, and all this whole thing that we've seen over and over again, I'm not into that. And that's what drew me to polyamory in the first place. I was like, I'm not doing that. And what drew me out of polyamory was the idea that there could be a different type of union between two people. And that's what I'm exploring. And it's incredibly exciting as well.
0: Oh, that's so. That's very romantic. I mean, I look at that as something <laughs> super romantic because I I get it. You know, for for me personally, not obviously, but you know, I, I've been in a committed monogamous relationship for uh, eighteen years now, um, which is a long time. And when we spoke before, you know, we. I talked about how my spiritual practice was to be in a monogamous relationship and to just, yeah. you know, really commit to the, the growth that happened with this one person, you know, and, and yeah, and especially being somebody that's, I'm very expressive. I have really good boundaries. I can express myself when I'm angry, when I'm <laughs> disappointed, <laughs> when I want something, when I have a desire, when I want things to change or I want to try something new. Fortunately, I have a partner that's, that's, you know, open to, to all of it, which I really love and it keeps things exciting and, and fresh and it doesn't ever feel stagnant to me. Um, but that has, you know, it's just like every relationship you're still learning, you know? And I remember there was a moment in time where I was, you know, a lot, I had a lot of friends that were doing this whole, like open relationship thing. And to me, it just gave me so much anxiety. I'm like, I haven't even mastered being with this one person yet. Like I cannot imagine. It's like my own emotions, just all the people in here. I'm like, I'm, I have a hard time just keeping myself together. And now I have to deal with all other people. I was, I just, wow. That's like, that's so intense, but I, I love that you've been very vocal. And for those of you who are interested in, in this this segment of Aubrey's life, he's been very vocal about it on his podcast, on interviews he's done. Um, uh, his, his ex Whitney has a, a podcast where she's talked mm-hmm. about this very openly. Um, so I, I definitely recommend if you want to learn more, definitely go, go listen to those conversations. They were very heart-centered, very honest, very real where <laughs> I'm just like, oh, wow. Like that is to me, the, the whole idea behind relationship. You know whether it's romantic or not, is to to be as honest as you can be and to honor those feelings that come up and to acknowledge uh when you are in that space of discomfort and you can actually create a a, a beautiful level of of growth and people don't realize that that's really what joins you together. I'm curious, actually, I have a uh, relationship advice. You're the relationship guru now. Um, (laughs) So, you know, for people that are in that stagnant relationship that do feel that maybe they're not getting what they want, why do you think they don't? say anything? Like, what is that? What do you think is at the root of people's dissatisfaction in relationships? And it could be friendship too, but I'm speaking specifically to romantic relationships.
1: Yeah, that's a good question to explore. I think um, there's some biological, there's some biological factors. I think when you're drawn together by this magnetized physical attraction, this, you know, what they call the, what they call limerence, which, or the honeymoon phase or new relationship energy. Uh, you can read Dr. Wednesday Martin's, um, you know, some of her work and you'll see that that period, that period has an expiration date, you know, in, in its own natural biological state, unless you do some other practices or other things just left alone, that period of intensity and physical attraction is going to diminish and when the relationship is largely bonded upon that it has to evolve into something else but those lessons about how to evolve aren't really there there's a lot of people trying to say like trying to teach you how to recapture that feeling you can't recapture that feeling it's fundamentally deeply biological it's something else like i used to you know laugh at people be like you know try something new throw on a wig or you know wear a different outfit i'm like throw on a wig you know like that's fun for halloween but this is not this is not going to solve the problem right you know and this is not it so i think a lot of times you get in this really intense passionate romantic relationship and then just over years it starts to wane and then if you haven't built in other practices then you're not going to actually be growing anymore. And then the resentment of your partner from in your mind, that person is keeping you from feeling that with somebody else. So you can start to resent them. And then resentment becomes the monster that eats love. And then you end up with this just kind of partnership where both people are settling. So the missing piece in all of this are the practices that deepen that intimacy and deepen that union and connection. And those could be, you know, romantic sexual practices, or those could be spiritual practices. And oftentimes there's a convergence of both. Now the spiritual community from religi- from religiosity has tried to separate those as much as possible saying, okay, here's spirit over here, here's sex over here. But then you look to the East and they're saying, no, 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 spirit and sex in the tantric way, it's the same thing. This is a way to get to source energy. And this is a way to, to, you know, merge and union. So I think bringing a lot of that wisdom in, um, the sex magic practices, the tantric practices, and then just the spiritual practices and then you know tapping into the ways that power exchange can create different neurochemical cocktails that you're experiencing, flow state and transient hyperfrontality and all of these different things, you can layer in different practices that just deepen over time and allow you to access different states of being. And that's, I think, think the thing that's missing because left to its own devices, a lot of that initial magnetism is going to dissipate. And unless you intentionally build that magnetism back in, I think you're going to be left with something of, you know, this is my best friend and, and we're cool with this. Um, but it's not, it's not really fulfilling in that same way.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a great, such a great, uh, way to, frame that, because I feel that there is a lot of that sort of complacency, right? How do you discern, how do you discern if, if one is complacent or you're just content?
1: (laughs) I think you can feel it. You know, I think you can feel it. I think, um, there's a, if you're content, you're, you're at peace you know, there's an equanimity to your life. You're like, you're, you're fine. But if you're, if you're just complacent, there's going to be this kind of current of frustration. You're going to be like, I just kind of want to run somewhere. I just don't know where. And, and that's the, that's the feeling that I think can be really hard. And then all too often, you know, all of that energy, you'll meet this one person and you'll project that that's the person that's going to you know, rescue you from your current condition, not realizing that if you got with that person, it would just be a repetition of the same cycle over again. And it's this, you know, you haven't really solved the problem in the first place, but that restless energy would, can drive you to some different, different areas. So I think for me, if I'm giving advice, it would be, if you're feeling in, if you're in that place, see if there are ways that you can develop those practices in your relationship and explore them. Maybe you don't have any experience, but get with some teachers, read some books, start to explore things that can be a practice that you guys can work on together and see if that is something that fits. And if it's if you're the only one like, hey, I want to try these things, I want to try, you know, breath work and I want to try breath work while we're making love and eye gazing and I want to try, you know, these different power exchange practices or whatever you want to do, if your partner's like, no, no, no you know, that's when you might not be aligned because I I really do believe that you have to go in together and, um, and both be a part of these different things with the intention of deepening rather than just letting things be. Because if what, if you just let things be, I think you'll naturally, you know, drift in a lot of the, you know, kind of most delicious parts of being in a relationship.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. Aubrey Marcus relationship guru. Uh, no that's really great advice I mean I I totally 100% uh, agree with that I think that's a huge thing is being able I mean that's one of the reasons why I love uh yoga so much I mean that yoga yoga means union right it's the Mm -hmm. unification of mind body and spirit and what I like to say is that the practice of yoga isn't necessarily just oh I can move my body and feel connected it's It's really about cultivating discernment to know what to do when you're not on the safety of your mat or your cushion is to be able to utilize these skills to live your best life, to get to a place where you can discern, okay, I'm content or or, I'm being complacent or I think it's time for me to have an honest conversation with my friend or my partner because I, can, I feel that we're out of alignment. I love what you said about alignment feeling like flow or being in that flow state, because I think every single person at some point or another has felt what that is like when you're in the current of the divine or you're in the current of your highest alignment and you feel like everything is functioning at its highest optimum level. So, yeah, I really, I really love that. Um, I can have a conversation with you for hours. <laughs> I have so, I have so <laughs> many questions for you. Um, and, you know, I do, I want to be respectful of of your time. And uh, I think the last question I'd really like to, um, this is something that I probably should have asked you earlier, but I'm going to ask now. Um, even having all of the tools that you have, the things that you've learned, um, the The processes that you've gone through, you've been open, you openly talk about going and doing plant ceremonies, uh, plant medicine and, and doing ceremony and, you know, utilizing different ways to continue to propel your, your growth, your transformation. Um, n- knowing everything that you know For yourself personally, do you do you still encounter moments where you feel down or you encounter the feeling of depression? And if you do, knowing all the tools that you know, what is it that allows you to move through it or get out of it?
1: Well, this is a, a, you know, a big, a big topic for the book that I'm writing because I definitely do feel that you know, and I do feel that and it can come from a variety of different sources. So you start to get different checkpoints. You know, sometimes, you know, one place you have to look is your physical body is if you're producing inflammation based on, you know, different gut issues. So let's say you have You know, some gut dysbiosis, and you're not digesting food well, what they call leaky gut, where there's different particles of the food that are too big that are going into your bloodstream. And then your immune system is, you know, driving up inflammation, trying to deal with that. And then that inflammation creates neuroinflammation because it crosses the blood brain barrier. And so you have inflammation in the brain. Well, you're going to feel depressed. So, whether that's having too much sugar, too much alcohol, or just a poor diet, or maybe you just haven't taken care of your gut, too many antibiotics throughout your life, that inflammation load will create a depressive state. So looking at the body, because the body influences the mind. So you have to start there and figure it out. And also, have you been getting enough movement? Have you been getting enough sleep? Have you been getting enough sun? Have you been breathing? Have you been trying the cold? Like, Go to the body first, you know? And then from there, all right, so what else can we start looking at? All right, maybe there's some stuck emotions. Maybe there's some things that you haven't allowed to come through and express. And the effort of holding those things in is just keeping you in this depressive state. All right, so what do we have for that? Breath work, you know, like deep shamanic breath work, Wim Hof breathing, this style. We have ecstatic dance, you know, you Mm. can go into. There's different practices to just release some of this energy. That you might have stuck, you know stored up, some of this, the somatic, you, know, psychosomatic energy of emotion that needs to be released. And a lot of times that might be in the form of grief. Depression really mimics grief in all of the different symptoms. Somebody who's grieving and somebody who's depressed, they're virtually indistinguishable. It's just one has a story about a specific reason. The other person doesn't know why they're depressed, but oftentimes you just might be grieving. What are you grieving? I don't know. Maybe you're grieving some aspect of your past life that you had to let go. Maybe you're stepping into greater responsibility and you're grieving the freedom to not have as much to do. Maybe even though like, so in that instance, you got a new job and a new position and you're supposed to be so excited, but somehow you're. You're depressed. Well, maybe you're just grieving the life that you used to have before, even though ostensibly the world would say that your life now is better. And maybe you even agree there's still something there to grieve. Maybe you're in a you know, different new relationship and that relationship is better, but you still need to grieve the old one. And I think the process of grief, allowing ourselves to, to wail and cry and moan and, and just express you know howl at the moon and in the, in the sadness as an act of love for what we're letting go. I think that's another key process is to really make sure, is there anything that's left ungrieved? You know, do I have emotion stuck? And is there anything that's left ungrieved? And then you can also start, you know, tinkering with the stories that are in your head. Like what is the story that that I'm telling? And am I telling the story over? And is this the right story? Or is there a different story that I can tell myself? This is the basis of like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really looking at the stories you're telling yourself and adjusting those stories. So it's a real multifaceted combination. And uh, fortunately, I have a lot of those tools. And then, of course, then there's the other, you know, psychedelic tools ketamine assisted therapy has shown amazing benefit for the treatment of depression. So many psilocybin has MDMA, like there's many different and of course all of the other plant medicines that haven't been studied as much, but absolutely do that. So there's that path. So I do feel that often. And I often, I always say like, there's not anything, any aspect of darkness in the human species in our, in our society that I can't find in myself. Depression. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like anxiety. I know what that's like trauma. Yeah. I've had my share. Now it doesn't mean that everything is at a hundred. Some people have something far more than me or far less, but I can find traces of everything in myself. And sometimes things are stronger than others. And so that's, I think it's a gift because it puts me in a unique position when I'm writing a book, like master your mind, master your life. And I'm talking about all of these things and how they affect I've, I can find them. I can feel them. I know what they're like and I know how I've worked through them and I know what the science says about how to move through them. And I've worked with people who've moved through the, you know, that specific thing in a more intense way. So there's not one magic bullet. It's just being aware of the whole landscape and just trying all the different things. And the more you're familiar with those things, then your, your soul or that higher self will start to guide you to the right thing. And oftentimes it's the thing you least want to do. You know, if it's like, it'll be like, <laughs> what are my options? I could do this or I could ecstatic dance. I really don't want to dance. The moment I say that I'm like, damn it. I got to dance. <laughs> that's the thing. That, that's yeah. the thing that, you know, is going to draw me to. So it almost becomes like a, a guidepost. That thing that I'm most resistant to is the thing that I should probably do.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much. I, uh, so thank you. I've got nothing. What a, what a great way to uh, <laughs> to end this conversation. I do have one final question, but before I ask that, where can people go to reach you and to connect with you?
1: The coolest place to go to connect with me now is I just launched an app called the Fit for Service Academy. And this is just really blown my mind because the people who are showing up in this community. So it basically has all of the different aspects of social media, but it has, you know, master classes and guided meditations, guided breathwork, guided ecstatic dance. Like if you've never done an ecstatic dance or a breathwork, you know, you can go in there into the media center and just click it and just listen and follow along and do it. You know, or different meditative practices and interact with the community that's doing the same and talk about my podcasts and so that's the place where I like going the most. Of course, you can go to Instagram and you can, you know, try and reach me in different other ways. And uh, on it is my company that I founded. We have amazing tools. My book is on the day. There's all these different things. But if you really want to get access to me and my like inner circle and my community, um, Fit for Service Academy app is absolutely the way to go. There's dropping in live streams there. It's It's great. And that's available in the app store. First month is free. So you can just check it out with no obligation and just see if it vibes with you. And uh, because that's what I'm really stoked about right now.
0: That's awesome. So we will put a link to, to the app on the info button of this podcast. If you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to your podcast, that'll be at the top. So you can download that, check it out and definitely go do some of uh, Aubrey's guided ecstatic dance exercises because they're epic. And uh, yeah, all the rest of uh, the info that he mentioned will also be in the show notes. If you're watching this video on YouTube, uh, the links are below. So final question, I'm curious if this varied from the last time you were on the show. Uh, The whole idea of radically loved is that we are radically loved by God's source, whatever higher power of your understanding, baby Buddha, baby Jesus, (laughs) whatever you believe that the universe, she works for us and not against us. And the question for you is how do you feel radically loved?
1: That's the beautiful thing about being radically loved is it's always true. Every single moment of every single day, it's always true. You are radically loved, truly, truly, truly. And all you have to do is get out of the way, judge yourself less, forgive yourself completely, and surrender to that thing which is true, no matter what. And uh, some days I'm better at that than other days, but I know, I know, and I know, and I know that it's always true.
0: Aubrey, thank you so much. What a beautiful response. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for all the work that you do. I'm grateful for your heart centeredness. I, anytime your name comes up or I'm talking to somebody, I really speak high high praises of you because I really do feel that you are, uh, you, very, somebody very special that really practices what they preach. So thank you for being that person. And thank you for being on the show.
1: Of course. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at Rosia acosta or on twitter at Rosia acosta subscribe on itunes write a review we love doing this so please help us continue to keep this podcast going thanks for listening